Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The 49ers are the big bads in the NFC. The Eagles look like the team that will meet them in the NFC Championship game. And where will Aaron Rodgers play football next year? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. They're not the number one seed in the NFC playoffs, but it still feels like the San Francisco 49ers are the big bad. They are the boss level team that everyone else is chasing. All due respect to the Philadelphia Eagles. They take on the Dallas Cowboys in a throwback 1990-style matchup between two prestige franchises in the NFL. Brian Peacock from Locked On 49ers joins me now. And, and Brian, this is a team that has been rolling really ever since they made the Christian McCaffrey trade. doesn't matter who the quarterback has been. And everything I just said is true about them being the scariest team in the NFC. And yet... Brock Purdy continues to be this unknown. If it's going to go off the rails for Brock Purdy, how? I would say for Brock Purdy, uh, he, like, you just, the best quarterbacks in the league. Mahomes does some harebrained stuff sometimes. Josh Allen definitely does some harebrained stuff sometimes. Yeah, he does. And Brock Purdy doesn't have the arm to make some of the big plays that those guys have to make up for it. Now, the rest of the offense can probably make up for it in a lot of different ways because there's so much talent, Kyle Shanahan, with uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. But Brock Purdy hasn't made those mistakes yet. And we saw a lot of interceptions and turnover-worthy throws from Jimmy Garoppolo throughout his career. And we just haven't seen that many of those from the young Brock Purdy, which is wild for a seventh-round rookie quarterback to not have – displayed a ton of rookie mistakes. And mm. even if he's a little shaky one half, we saw last week, he came back and was really strong in the second half. Um, and he's just fearless. He's prepared. He knows where to go with the ball. The ball comes out quick and he can play make a little bit too. So it's not just paint by numbers. It's not just like, oh, here's any old quarterback and throw in. There's another Nick Mullins in Kyle Shanahan's offense. He's elevated it. And if, Kyle, if, if Brock Purdy continues to play like he has, and it's not hyperbolic to say the 49ers have a better chance to win the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy, a seventh-round rookie, because that's how well he has played. Yeah, I, I think you were on the show earlier this season saying that Brock Purdy is playing the best of any Kyle Shanahan quarterback in 49ers, in, in the 49ers franchise part of it. You know, Matt Ryan was the MVP in 2016, so we can't go all of Kyle Shanahan's life. I asked Landon McCool from Locked On Cowboys this question yesterday because this is a matchup we've seen. We've seen Cowboys Niners in the playoffs, not just in the 90s, although there were some great games in the 90s. We saw last year a game that the 49ers end up winning. So what can San Francisco take? Understanding Debo Samuel not playing like the same guy as he was last year, and it's a different quarterback. What can the 49ers actually take from that matchup that translates and can help them win this year? I, I think the big thing is just that and look, playoff Debo is 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 kind of showing up right now. We saw that big run last week, and uh, Debo Samuel, like when when he's amped up and he's ready to go and he's healthy, he, you, you, there's he's no still so scary. 
Yeah, there's no arm tackle alive that, that wants to see. <laughs> and so it's you can't play the 49ers straight up. I think that's what's going on now because you've already had all the weapons you had. And and we talked about how good Brock Purdy's playing and facilitating it and, you know, buying some time and, and finding all of the playmakers. And you add Christian McCaffrey, you just can't play this team straight up because then they'll have an advantage somewhere. But then if you key on someone, then they definitely have an advantage somewhere else. We saw that with the Seahawks. They said, oh, we'll maybe go big nickel, but we'll keep a lot of guys in the line of scrimmage, try to stop the run. And then you're just hitting overs behind the linebackers digs all day long they, they were running wild between the linebackers and the safeties against the seahawks last week so i, I don't know how you can play the 49ers straight up i think the big and, and kind of going back to your last question about brock purdy you have to hope that he turns into a pumpkin a little bit and i think the key would be micah parsons sam williams uh demarcus lawrence uh, yeah, Dante Fowler, just the speed, being able to run down Brock Purdy and maybe create more of a maybe a, a fumble or a turnover that way. I think turnovers would really be the key to this game if the Cowboys are victorious Sunday. Yeah, Micah Parsons was the thing that that Landon singled out and said if he, if he can be dominant as he was last week against Tristan Wirfs, an All-Pro right tackle, um, then then he can be the field record. On the other side, Nick Bosa is that guy. For the 49ers, he was my pick to be defensive player of the year. What are the what is going to be the approach from San Francisco against a Cowboys offense that last week was as good as we have ever seen Dak Prescott play? Yeah, it's the, the key is getting pressure on Dak Prescott. So making him uncomfortable, you know, those back foot throws. Uh, and it's true of any quarterback. One thing the 49ers defense has had trouble with at times, and they've gotten better at it, is mobile quarterbacks hmm. getting away from the rush buying some time then you find somebody and create a big play and we, we even saw that from justin fields in the in the bears in week one i mean uh, a, a team has never won the super bowl and lost a game to the team that picked number one overall in the nfl draft oh that great did that uh which it, it, it was a monsoon it was a weird game with a different quarterback um yeah, that was two quarterbacks ago that was two quarterbacks ago <laughs> right. yeah Stay up to date all year on the San Francisco 49ers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On 49ers on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Eagles are ready to meet the Niners in the championship game. They just need to deal with the Giants. But first, the Vikings are hitting reset on defense. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your gambling needs. The first divisional round game sees the Jaguars take on the Chiefs. Bet Online likes the Chiefs laying nine. The Eagles then host the Giants. Bet Online has the Eagles seven and a half point favorites. But the best two matchups are on Sunday, starting with Bengals Bills. Bet Online likes the Bills by five and a half. That's still a serious number. And the divisional round is concluded with the Cowboys and Niners, for my money, the game of the weekend. Bet online has San Fran laying four. Bet online where the game starts. I think four is too many. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Minnesota Vikings won 13 games last season. Frauds. After an unceremonious wildcard exit. Frauds. They've decided to make a change. Frauds. At defensive coordinator. Well, that'll just about do it. Ed Donatel is now Ed Donatel. He will be out as the Vikings defensive coordinator. Still no update on the rest of the defensive staff. I'm sure that's something that will come down to the new defensive coordinator, whoever that ends up being. Could be somebody from within the organization, like Mike Pettin or one of the assistants if they like him, or it could be somebody else who has uh, experience in the Fangio scheme. It, the Vikings did say that they will stick with the 3-4. It seems like that's the way they're leaning at least. 
Um, so we will continue on there, but that does kind of narrow down the list of candidates that we have to look at. You look at teams like uh, the staffs, like the Chargers, the Rams, the Browns, the Packers, um, and anybody else that runs this Ed Donatel scheme. The Eagles are another one. We can look at those schemes for who will come next as defensive coordinator. We'll keep an eye on all of it and go over some of the more interesting names on the Locked On Vikings podcast. So make sure you tune in for that. Frogs. Greg Roman has resigned as Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator. It is officially official. The Baltimore Ravens and Greg Roman have parted ways. I'm Kevin Ostriker, the host over at Locked On Ravens. And this was a highly anticipated decision about whether Baltimore would keep Greg Roman or the two parties would decide to part ways. And they decided to go in different directions. Roman was the offensive coordinator in Baltimore for four seasons, orchestrated some of the most historic rushing offenses in NFL history, especially in that 2019 season when Baltimore went 14-2. and But suspect play calling, time management, players speaking out against usage rates in the offense have seemingly done him in this time around Baltimore now look to their next offensive coordinator the next offensive system and John Harbaugh saying Lamar Jackson will be involved in that conversation and they will be interviewing both internally and externally for the position for more on the Ravens and they are new offensive coordinator search be sure to follow the Locked Ravens podcast and subscribe on YouTube part of the Lockdown Podcast Network the winningest coach in Notre Dame men's basketball history will step down at the end of this season. Well, Mike Bray's 23-year tenure as the head coach at Notre Dame is coming to a close at the end of the season with the 63-year-old coach reportedly stepping down in the midst of a season where Notre Dame is 9-10 and and in 13th place in the ACC. Hi, I'm Andy Patton, the host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, and Bray's tenure hasn't gone well in the past few years, but he leaves South Bend as the winningest coach in Notre Dame history, currently boasting a 481-269 and record while leading the Irish to an ACC championship in 2014 and a three-year period where they went 82-28 and and danced all three seasons. Replacing Bray is not going to be an easy task at Notre Dame, but perhaps some new blood will be able to invigorate a sleep giant and bring basketball glory back to the state of Indiana, which could quite frankly use it right now. For more on Bray's tenure, check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. And man, if anyone could rock a mock turtleneck, it was Mike Bray. The marquee matchup of the night in the NBA was Warriors against Celtics, an NBA Finals rematch. And after a thrilling last second turn, the Celtics came out on top. It was a weird Messy, exciting, but awful, but I don't know kind of game here at the TD Garden, but the Celtics, after all of that, come away with a win, 121-118 over the Golden State Warriors. I'm John Corrales from the Lockdown Celtics podcast. The Celtics didn't get great shooting performances from Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. Uh, The Warriors didn't get great shooting performance from Steph Curry, but In the end, when the Celtics were trying to give the game away, they were also stepping up. A ton of turnovers late in the fourth quarter, but Jalen Brown and Al Horford were hitting three-pointers late in the fourth quarter to get the Celtics back even in regulation. They had an early lead, they gave that away. They went down 11 and they came back. Then in overtime, Jalen Brown was really great, making up for what was really a bad game for him. And on the ice, the Chicago Blackhawks did something they hadn't done in 27 years. 
beat the Flyers in Philly. The Chicago Blackhawks scored four unanswered goals to pick up their first regular season win in Philadelphia since 1996. Jack Bushman from Lockdown Blackhawks here. Yes, you all heard me right. The Blackhawks snapped their 26-plus year drought since their last win in Philadelphia with a 4-1 win over the Flyers tonight. A really solid road performance all in all. Seth Jones and Jonathan Taves both extended their point streaks. Jake McCabe played really solid, and Peter Morazic was stellar in net, stopping all 31 shots that he faced in the final 40 minutes. And the Blackhawks have quietly now won five of their last six games. I don't know how to feel about it. For more coverage on this win by the Blackhawks, be sure to check out tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Here is another story you need to know. For the second straight weekend, we have a divisional rematch. It was Seahawks 49ers in the Super Wildcard weekend. Now we have Eagles Giants, and this one is particularly interesting because the last time these two teams played, the Giants had nothing on the line, the Eagles had everything on the line, and Davis Webb was involved. So how are we going to try and focus on what's going on this week? Louis DiBiase from Locked on Eagles joins me now, and and Louis, if you're a Giants fan, I think you pointed that week 18 game and go, hey, that was a one-score game, and we made it tight late. The Eagles should be scared of us. This is the matchup we wanted. What What is the Philly response? No, that, that's a great point, and I think all the pressure is on Philadelphia this Saturday night. Of course, they're the number one seed, and it's the first time in a long time, even 2017 when they were the number one seed, they were an underdog heading into that first playoff game. So the pressure is on, right. and the New York Giants know that even with Davis Webb and a bunch of backups, they had Philadelphia on the ropes in that Week 18 game. I think Philadelphia can rest in the fact that they're getting healthier. Lane Johnson should be back at right tackle. Jalen Hurts three weeks healthier now with that shoulder injury. And I think they were trying to be as vanilla as possible against the Giants, trying to do the bare minimum to get that win. Didn't use Jalen Hurts a lot as a runner. Josh Sweat's going to be back as well on defense. So they're getting a lot of pieces back. I think the scheme and the play calling is going to be more diverse. And again, you have the atmosphere of Lincoln Financial Field in a home playoff game against a division rival. I think a lot of that goes on the Eagles side. Not to mention, Peter, I just think they're a lot more talented football team than New York. So it's going to be a good game for sure. And the Giants are kind of playing with house money, but I still like Philadelphia on this one. The Giants, though, have beaten a lot of teams this season that we thought were less talented than they were or more talented than they were. And so I think that that's that's something that you you have to account for if you're Philadelphia. What I think is fascinating here, Louis, is the 49ers are the talk of the NFC right now. They are the the giant that everyone feels like they need to slay. And if you're the Eagles, it would be very easy to use this as disrespect and even look forward a little bit to, hey, if we win, we get to show we're the best team in the NFC next week against San Francisco in our building. How do you keep the focus on this week? Again, against a team you've beaten twice and against a team that, as you said, they're just much better than. How do you keep that focus? Yeah, I think this team has the perfect roster to not overlook an opponent in the playoffs. I mean, you look at the veterans like Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey. They knew what it took in 2017 to win a world championship. And you look at even the younger core, Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, Landon Dickerson. Those guys were competing for national championships year after year in college. And A.J. Brown made multiple runs with the Tennessee Titans. These guys are very mature for players under the age of 
25. So I think they know to not overlook a division rival in a playoff game that's coming off a huge win against a three seed in Minnesota. I think this team has the perfect blend of veterans and young players to overcome something like that. But yeah, you got to know what's on the horizon. The San Francisco 49ers are on fire right now. I mean, they have been maybe the best team in the NFL over the last, you know, two months of the season. But I think the Eagles are just as talented as the 49ers are, and they have an MVP candidate at the quarterback position. So I'm still feeling confident if that is the NFC championship matchup in Philadelphia, that the Eagles have a really good chance. We have incredibly small sample sizes with these quarterbacks in the postseason. In fact, it's it's one. And Daniel Jones is coming off one of the great statistical games of the last 20 years as a, as a quarterback, over 300 yards, two touchdowns, and 70-plus rushing yards. Um, no one had ever done that before. And Jalen Hurts, we have the, the memory of what happened with Tampa Bay. So why should we have more confidence in Jalen Hurts than Daniel yep. Jones heading into this one? Yeah, I think this Jalen Hurts versus last year's Jalen Hurts night and day, a completely different player. You look at that game, it really did show how far Hertz had to go when it comes to his pocket presence, accuracy, ball placement, going through progressions. Tampa Bay in that game made him a pocket passer. They eliminated his ability to be an elite mobile quarterback. And the NFL saw this Philadelphia Eagles team is not ready. But this year, Jalen Hurts took elite steps in pretty much every one of those areas that Tampa Bay exposed. It's why He's up there with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and all these quarterbacks in the MVP debate. And the difference is this team, I think, is just a lot more talented. They didn't have A.J. Brown in that game last year. They didn't have all the pieces on defense as well. Stay up to date all year on the Philadelphia Eagles by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Eagles on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, Aaron Rodgers will play football somewhere next year. We'll discuss some of those possibilities. That's next. Here we go again. Another offseason where the current quarterback of the Green Bay Packers may not be the future quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Tyler Rowland and Alex Clancy of Locked On NFL have some thoughts as to where Aaron Rodgers will play next year. The best fit for Aaron Rodgers is also the best fit for any other quarterback that's a free agent in San Francisco. It's set. Brock Purdy's done it. Jimmy Garoppolo has done it. Imagine Aaron Rodgers going to that offense. I think San Francisco would be a great fit. Obviously, he grew up in the area, so that makes sense. Outside of that, I like the Jets. Again, the Jets are one quarterback away from being able to make some real noise with the roster they have. The thing that tickles me about all this is not even where Aaron Rodgers will play. Green Bay, Las Vegas, New York. Could it be Tennessee? Would he want to be in Carolina? No, no. It's that for most of Aaron Rodgers' career, he said he did not want to end his career like Brett Favre. To be wishy-washy, will he, won't he, and then to end on bad terms with Packer fans. Well, for the last three years, he's been wishy-washy. He has held this team's offseason hostage starting in 2020 after... They go to the NFC Championship game at home and lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we have this shocking revelation that he and Packers management are at this irreconcilable impasse. And people act like, oh, well, Aaron Rodgers, he hasn't retired and come back like Brett Favre did. Didn't he? Because for about six months, he was done with Green Bay. 
and then said, okay, I'll come back, much like Brett Favre. So now we're in at least year three of will he or won't he? He is half retired for practical purposes. He said, I'm not coming back to Green Bay, told anyone in the media who would listen, he's not coming back. And now he's back. And now, again, he's deciding will he or won't he? He has become Brett Favre, complete with the postseason failure, or in this case, the wonderful and tragic symmetry that could be taking place here where the last pass of Brett Favre's career was in the NFC Championship game against the New York Giants. It was an interception to seal that game. The last pass of Aaron Rodgers' career as a Green Bay Packer could be against the Detroit Lions in a game that would have got them into the playoffs, a game that ends their season in a pass that essentially seals the game. And maybe Aaron Rodgers winds up in New York, just like Brett Favre did. And finally, Dion is just getting started. Now the head coach in Colorado, Dion Sanders, has landed his first five-star recruit. Is it any coincidence that the recruit is a corner? Cormani McLean. If you're a corner, your name is Cormani. Come on. As ranked as a number four overall prospect by ESPN, which gives the Buffaloes their highest rated recruit ever. And Dion hasn't even coached a game yet. Coach Prime in full effect in Boulder. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up Monday, who will be vying for the conference championship in the AFC and the NFC? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.